everyone remain calm. Back for more, huh? Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. Somebody talk to me! What is happening? Welcome to Jurassic World. And now, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the Jurassic Park Podcast. How long is it going to take for that to spread around the globe? This was all John Hammond's dream. Hold on to your butt. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 291st episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Jost, and we're here to discuss all things Jurassic Park. In this episode, we're going to hear from Dakota Morgan with another edition of The Hatchery. Now, today, Dakota is going to take a look at the animatronic Dilophosaurus figure from Jurassic Park. It is such an incredible animatronic figure, and just the dinosaur itself, what they were able to create, is is kind of, in a way, unmatched. It's just such incredible imagery, and from the frill to the crests to the spitting, like... Everything about it is super cool. So I always love hearing Dakota's insight into these animatronics. So get excited, get hyped, because I can't wait to hear more. And after that, we're going to present another installment of Jurassic Tracks with Caleb Burnett. Uh, Caleb was just on the show last week, and if you did not check that out, an episode of Dino Score where he talked all about how he made the music underneath the Beyond the Gates episode, so please go listen to that one as well. But today, Caleb will be taking a look at a uh, Jurassic World track. You guys know the track. It's called Chasing the Dragons. Uh, Caleb has been making his way through all of the films so far, and uh, Jurassic World is the latest mark, so we're going to take a look at that. And I hope you enjoy the breakdown of, I think, one of the most fun tracks from the sequel films. You know, this moment in time in, in this movie is so much fun, and anytime you hear that track, man, do you get hyped. I love it so much. But that's the main portion of the show today. Before we get started, I'd like to take care of some quick business. So last week over on YouTube, uh, I uploaded a toy hunt where I tracked down I believe it was like four of the new Lego sets. It was so cool to see them all, to see all of these Jurassic World characters interacting with Camp Cretaceous characters via Lego, and it was super cool to see, so go check out that video. I think I also tracked down like a, a Frankenstein's monster uh, from NECA, so, so that was fun as well. But uh, I also did a live stream on Wednesday night, like we do every Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so please Join us in some of those live streams. They're so, so much fun. And this past week uh, was no exception. We talked about uh, Beyond the Gates and the fact that uh, the Funko uh, D Mr. DNA is coming out. There was also um, a Funko game that was kind of re uh, like lightly revealed, uh, Jurassic World Legacy. We talked about all kinds of stuff, but the number one thing from that episode was everybody convinced me to dress up as Mr. DNA for Halloween uh, on our live streams. So I'm gonna be doing that uh, towards Halloween, so keep an eye out for that, so stay tuned. But we always have so much fun in those chats, so please join us Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be doing it again this week, so we'll see you there. But outside of that, we do have another toy hunt coming for you this week. But that's enough for this intro, so why don't we go ahead and get this episode kicked off by learning about the Dilophosaurus animatronic in the hatchery. 
Well, the dinosaurs are clearly very professional and they, they hit their marks and they're always coming to work on time. Bird theory that if they, you know how we have breathers and everything, yeah. it would be neat if we could have these guys going. Oh, really fast! Like really fast. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. Okay, oh. Mr. Wizard. I couldn't help but freak out the entire time. Like it was, you know, as if I was in front of a real dinosaur. Uh, we've actually gone more practical with every Jurassic movie we've made since the first one, and we have more animatronics in this one than we have in the previous two. Look, it's not as if any of them are very ex experienced. For all of these dinosaurs, it was their first movie, and uh, given that they were, they're new to the business, I thought they did a very good job. Welcome, everybody, to another addition to the hatchery i'm your guys' host dakota morgan coming from phoenix arizona and today on the hatchery we are going to be diving into something very very fun the dilophosaurus you know the legendary animatronic we all know and love that just came out in a set although the red stripe is missing with dennis nendry and such from mattel but we're diving into how they made the dilophosaurus in jurassic park and it always starts with a cool artist it started with artwork by crash mccree the legendary artist on jurassic park we all know it if you listen to the podcast you all know who he is and then in the beginning they actually used a maquette of a raptor that was already made to understand the movement and the practice the movement of what they might actually be doing for the dilophosaurus and believe me it's not what you expect now of course we know that the dinosaurs are actually based off animals and such not even in their dna but the movements of them are based off animals and they used actually the hopping around on kind of speed and such of ostriches to do the dilophosaurus kind of the opposite of what you would think now and also in order to do this um past the maquette in the next stage they actually build mini walking machines to practice and simulate the walking movements to say a puppeteer or as proof of concept and such too to other people in charge such as stan winston or steven spielberg Next was actually a rail system that was used at first, and how it would go for the rail system would be that there was a puppeteer underneath it controlling the body and the, the feet of the animal. Now, this would be underneath a set or perhaps a backpack, which we'll actually get to in just a second. But the head mechanism was all tied together, limiting standard mot uh, rotations or mot motions. That's the word they're looking for, motions and such. But later, it was fixed to do all sorts of unique motions using springs that, that were implemented into the, the body. But, of course, that leads to the, the head cocking, the little bit of the tilt, the wow, wow. Of course, yeah, you know, you know the sound. Now, an inch-thick neck was applied to the neck to practice the movements and such as well after that as to, you know, kind of get the movement, make adjustments to the pieces inside. Now, at first, they actually wanted to use a real uh, spitting mechanism, in which they did technically still in the movie, but they know they wanted it to spit for the Dilophosaurus. And to do that, they actually had a thing where it would be a paintball mechanism of sorts that would, you would see shoot out from the mouth through a series of tubing that was also in the mechanics into the throat of the animal, the dinosaur, and it would shoot out and you would see it fly out and such. But actually, due to the high humidities of the set and all the water and such, it didn't really work out. So that's why you see the Dilophosaurus only spinning off screen and why you never see it, the venom come out of the Dilophosaurus personally. Now, of course, the frill itself, speaking of the spitter, was latex rubber glued to support rods connected to a pool that allowed for the flaring movement of the animal. Now for the ton of the Dilophosaurus, a three-stage tentacle mechanism was used for the ton to kind of give it more movement and such and seem a lot more lifelike. So at first, there was a rig, as I mentioned backpacks earlier, we're getting back to it now. A uh, rig was made in a backpack style and the animal who was 
still a couple feet long and a couple feet tall, would be placed on top of the puppet. This is very difficult to say in podcast form on this episode, but it would be a rig on top and the puppeteer would be on the bottom and it would be connected, held up by steel and such. Needless to say, you got ripped while doing this. You got really, really buffing and muscles if you were the puppeteer. And the tubing and such would go down from the animal into the puppeteer on the bottom so he could control it and such. But actually that kind of went later on to the there would be a set. On the set was actually built and it was a whole stage in one of Nedry and the Lawful Store. So it was actually a stage from uh, some of the scenes. So they built that and the Dilophosaurus would actually move due to a puppeteer underneath the stage with the backpack rigging on. And he would do all the mechanisms and such. Overall, an insane process of what to do for the Dilophosaurus. But when you watch the movie, just know there's a puppeteer underneath that ground. And folks, that is another addition to the hatchery. Diving into the legendary Dilophosaurus. I know I've heard people on other podcasts mention they're excited for this one. So I hope you guys learned something. I hope you guys learned, enjoyed learning how to make dinosaurs and how they made it in the legendary Jurassic Park with a legendary dinosaur. And of course, guys, I'm on Twitter at DakotaMorgan3 and Instagram at Dakota underscore Morgan97 if you want to keep in touch with all the animal caretaking stuff I do, paleo, Jurassic, and more. You guys all rock, everybody. And thanks again for tuning in. And stay tuned next time, folks, because I promise you we're going to be hatching something great. Hey there, Caleb Burnett here, back with another edition of Jurassic Treks, after a really long time. For obvious reasons, I think, but also life just got a little busy for me, but I am so glad to be back with a brand new Jurassic Tracks segment where I choose a cue from the soundtracks of the Jurassic franchise, tell you a little bit about what's going on in the scene, what's going on musically, so that you can listen back and enjoy. So far on Jurassic Tracks, we've gone in chronological order. So in the first segment, I talked about a cue from Jurassic Park. In the second segment, I talked about a cue from The Lost World. In the third segment, I talked about a cue from Jurassic Park 3, naturally. So in this latest segment, number four, I want to talk about one of my favorite cues from Jurassic World. Before we dive in, in case you missed it, you can find the introduction for this segment and more about the music in episode 209 of the Jurassic Park podcast. You can find the very first Jurassic Track segment about T-Rex rescue and finale in episode 210 of the Jurassic Park podcast, the second Jurassic Track segment about rescuing Sarah in episode 218 of the Jurassic Park podcast, and the third Jurassic Track segment about the raptor room cue from Jurassic Park 3 in episode 233 of the Jurassic Park podcast. All right, let's dive into that cue from Jurassic World. My favorite cue from Jurassic World is Chasing the Dragons. You're hearing a little bit of the music that comes before it right now. 
Notably, Jurassic World got a new composer who had not worked on a Jurassic film before, Michael Giacchino. His style is a little bit different from the composers that came before, but personally I love it. I think he did a great job with this score, and I think he has a really unique take on the scene that Chasing the Dragons accompanies. There's a little bit of music editing going on in the scene that Chasing the Dragons is in. There's some music from the expanded score that is inserted in in some of the little moments in the scene. But the bulk of the Chasing the Dragons cue happens when Owen really hits his stride riding his motorcycle through the jungle with the pack of raptors. So you hear the music come crashing in as Owen comes flying into frame there on his motorcycle and catches up with the raptors and is riding, in the words of Zack and Gray, like a badass with them. Um, and this is truly my favorite scene in Jurassic World as a film. Um, it's, it's just awesome. And what you hear in the music there is lots of percussion instruments. The entire string section as well coming in and providing that bump, 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 rhythm. And the brass starts to come in as well. And perhaps the best part of this cue is when we get those great shots of Owen riding with the pack of raptors. We see Blue, Charlie, Delta, Echo, and Owen all together pursuing the Indominus Rex. And the brass section comes in full force and states what I consider to be Owen's theme. Um, and a lot of people might call this Owen and Blue's theme just because it is heard a lot in scenes with both of them, but it's also heard in scenes with just Owen or when Owen is being talked about. It's that, it's that theme right there. Um, and it's a theme that has been carried on by Giacchino um, in Jurassic World later and also in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom um, associated with Owen and Blue. And I love it as a theme personally, um, just because it represents the, the awesome nature of their relationship and some of the heroic and just wild things that they have done together, but it also represents their companionship and bond between man and Velociraptor. Now, the orchestra and Giacchino work really hard in this cue. They are all going at full force, creating a really exciting underscore for a really exciting scene. Um, and after that momentous moment with Owen and the Velociraptors in the jungle that is truly badass, you know, things, things slow down a little bit. We catch the Indominus Rex's scent, and Barry and everyone comes together, and they realize that they're close, and the orchestra becomes very subdued, and mostly strings and extended techniques with other instruments, and it becomes spooky and ominous as we realize the makeup of the Indominus Rex's genetic and we realize that things are about to go awry. The orchestra, mostly strings, becomes very suspensed and foreboding in that moment, and you know things are about to be bad.
Another important note on this cue is that the Indominus Rex theme makes an appearance. That. Which Giacchino also carries on through subsequent moments and subsequent films. As you just heard, the cue closes with a massive, frightening crescendo. As all of those realizations happen, the raptors are in league with the Indominus Rex now, and things are about to get chaotic. I really love this cue, and it's my favorite from Jurassic World, I think, because the orchestra is just so forceful, and the brass is incredible, stating Owen's theme so powerfully in that amazing moment, but also very subtly when it states the Indominus Rex theme later. I think this is a musical cue and especially a scene from the film that Jurassic fans and non-Jurassic fans alike really remember from this movie. Um, it's, it's a scene that certainly everyone talks about as being bombastic and crazy and awesome. And the music is bombastic and crazy and awesome, I would say. So now that we've talked about this cue and this scene just a little bit, open up iTunes, Spotify, whatever music service you use, find the Jurassic World score, hit play on Chasing the Dragons, and sit back and imagine the awesome and chaotic scene that ensues with this underscore. Thank you so much for listening to Jurassic Tracks. As always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Caleb Composed. Let me know what you think about this segment. Let me know if you enjoyed it what tracks I should do next, anything else you think, and I'll see you on the next segment of Jurassic Tracks, which features an extra spooky musical cue from Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, just in time for Halloween. Thank you so, so much for listening to the 291st episode of the Jurassic Park Podcast. Of course, a huge thanks goes out to Dakota and to Caleb, we're talking about the things that they love about the Jurassic franchise. We, we have, you know, music from Caleb and we have animatronics from, from Dakota. So I just love that, you know, we've kind of cultivated this, this uh, place here where fans of the franchise can talk about the things that they love and their passions. So thank you so much to both Caleb and Dakota for talking about their passions when it comes to Jurassic Park. Now, I do want to uh, open it up again for reviews. So if you want to go leave a review, please head over to Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us a review. You can do five stars if you want. You don't have to. Uh, whatever you feel. If you feel it deserves five stars, then great. Please do. But whatever you write in there, uh, in the comments, in the subject, we will go ahead and read your reviews here on the show. And today, we have one from Barry Allen, 32. Uh, this is uh, brand new. This one was just left. And it says, my favorite podcast. Uh, that's the subject. And in the body of the message here, it says, I love it so much. Just wish there was more Dan Karan. 
<laughs> and that's it. That's the end of the uh, the review there. So I agree. I totally agree there, uh, Barry Allen, Mr. Flash. Uh, you know, I uh, I think, you know, we definitely deserve more Dan Karan on this show. Now, if you're not aware, if you've, if you've only listened to the more recent episodes, um, I started this show, well, I, I started it on my own, but the number one contributor that I brought along with me was my cousin, Dan Karan. And, uh, you know, I brought him along. We've, you know, I, I talk about him and my sister all the time about how, you know, we grew up together, uh, you know, playing with these toys and watching these movies and just, you know, wanting to know everything about the Jurassic franchise. And, uh, you know, it, it, when our, in our heyday, I guess, we had Jurassic Park and The Lost World. And then we got a little bit older for Jurassic Park 3. We, we didn't really do a lot with that. But between those first two films, we were involved in everything. We were always collecting all the toys and playing together and making our own fan clubs and stuff like that. So I brought on my cousin with me to talk about Jurassic and he has since faded away from uh, from the show. He's got other things going on and and uh, and and uh, yeah, so so don't worry about that. That's all good. But I, I I do wish you know he was here to talk about it some more. I think that would be awesome. Maybe we should uh, maybe we should revisit it. I I do talk to him like every other night. <laughs> we do play like video games together. So I should get him on here again. And uh, I did shout it out, uh, Barry Allen. I did shout it out to Dan Karan that he wrote that. So uh, he was very excited to see that. And he was like flabbergasted. So I hope you uh, I hope you all love hearing from my cousin. So hopefully we can get him on here again soon. Because I know he loves these movies just as much as anybody, uh, anybody that listens or anybody that's on the show. So thank you so much for writing that review and including my cousin in there. I agree, we miss him. Uh, but uh, that's about it. I, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll be back again next week. So please make sure to stay safe out there. Be kind to everybody that you come into contact with. That is super important. And as always, I'm gonna go ahead and hand it off to myself for the outro. Thanks, everybody. Saddle up. Let's get this movable feast underway. Be sure to give us a follow over on Twitter, at Jurassic Park Pod, and myself, at Brad Jost. Also on Facebook and Instagram, at Jurassic Park Podcast. Don't forget to join the Jurassic Park Podcast group on Facebook. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, our website, or wherever else podcasts are found. So be sure to follow along. Also, don't miss our live streams, toy hunts, reviews, in-depth bonus content, gameplay, event and theme park coverage, and much more on our YouTube channel. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will read your reviews at the end of most episodes, so be sure to spare no expense. Find us on the web at JurassicParkPodcast.com, where you'll find today's episode's show notes, articles, contributor bios, and so much more. If you want to get a hold of us, you can fill out the contact form on our website or send emails to JurassicParkPod at gmail.com. We're always looking for new segments, contributors, mailbag submissions, or anybody who just wants to say hello. Feel free to call our voicemail line at any time to leave us a message. That number is 732-825-7763. Make sure to be kind to everybody and stay safe out there. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Five minutes. Drop what you're doing and leave now.